0: here you are here you're here and let's let's get into God's word so we're in a series right now that I started last week uh and the s- title of it is your end times survival guide it's been a few years it's probably been about 6 or 7 years since I actually did something on the end times and so I'm talking about that and we're definitely living in the last days Amen. we're definitely in the last days in fact Technically, scripturally, we've been in the last days ever since Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, and, uh, but I get a feeling, I really do get a feeling that we are in the last of the last days. It just feels that way. And so we're going to be talking about this. Now, last week we looked at discerning the times. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gave us a list of things to be looking for, to be looking at, recognizing the signs of And the thing that Jesus said is that these things are always going to be throughout the church age, and they have been. But he said they're going to be like birth pains. They're going to begin slow and low, but they're going to build with intensity and frequency. And then that's when Jesus said after after he taught about that, that's when he said to his disciples, when you see these things begin to happen, lift up your eyes. Look up and lift up your head. Don't be walking around down and out and discouraged and frustrated and trying to get, just get out of here. Lift your, look up and lift up because your redemption is drawing nigh. Amen. The coming of the Lord is getting close. That's what he was saying. My coming to bring my people, to rescue my people, to rapture my people is very, very close. And so today I want to talk about that because Jesus doesn't want us to be scared He wants us to be prepared. I know it's pretty scary stuff going on around here, but we are not not supposed to be driven by fear. We are supposed to be the people that understand what is going on, well aware of what is going on, be prepared for what is going on. And so today I want to talk about this redemption that's coming close. It's getting nearer, and it's called the rapture of the church. I've entitled this, Message: Be rapture ready. Be rapture ready. And I want to come out of First Thessalonians. I, I feel like I need more volume. Can I get more volume? No, I want more. Somebody said you're good. No, I'm not good. If I'm not good, we're not good. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's read, follow along as I read aloud. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord, therefore comfort one another with these words. Would you just do that right now? Turn and tell somebody, Jesus is coming. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell them that. Now we're going to continue on in chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. You are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as, other, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Therefore. Comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. That is the reading of God's word. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless your word to our spirit, soul, and body today. I pray, God, for divine unction in this tent to preach your word and for, for all of us, God, to receive your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. So I was born in 1963, that was the year my father got baptized with the Holy Spirit, and he was a Nazarene, and after that he became a Pentecostal, he became a Church of God pastor and preacher. And in those early years of my upbringing into the late 60s and into the early 70s, there was, the world was abuzz about the second coming, how Lindsay had written a book called the late great planet earth and it rocked the church world in in those years and I remember it was not uncommon about every two or three weeks or something like that it seemed like it was an awful lot that there was a message about the second coming of Jesus or the rapture of the church and in fact there was a movie that came out that was called the thief in the night that literally shook all of us Christians to our boots you know and about you don't get left behind don't get left behind and you know, it was there was just a lot going on. We would sing songs, we would sing courses, little courses in church about the, the the fact that Jesus was coming very soon and his coming was very near. And so this was the atmosphere as a little boy that I grew up in and hearing this and seeing it and watching movies and singing songs about it. So you can appreciate as a little kid, I'm, I don't know, like eight, nine, 10, 11, about, I think I was about nine or 10 years old when this happened, one one Christmas Eve, I'm laying in bed and I'm praying because I would say my nighttime prayers laying in bed there. And it was Christmas Eve, right? Everybody say Christmas Eve. That's the biggest day of the year for a kid. And so I was telling the Lord, Lord, I love you. And I was, you know, praying my little nighttime prayer. And then I said something, Lord, I know you're coming back and I really do want you to come. But I really wish you'd wait till after Christmas. <laughs> Because I got some stuff under the tree. There's stuff waiting for me there, Lord, if you could just hold on. I so believed in the coming of Jesus, but I also appealed to God to hold off. Did you know that in the Old Testament, there are nearly 300 prophecies about Christ's first coming, and they were all fulfilled? You can read the scriptures. And some of them were so, mind, they were so um, detailed and specific. And all of those prophecies about Jesus coming the first time were all fulfilled. There are, I believe the, re- the record is 318 references to Jesus' second coming. That's one in every 25 verses the Bible reminds us that the Lord is coming back. Just like he came the first time. He's going to come again. And in fact, we're living in these days, and I, the, the return of Jesus is the next main event on the problem. There isn't anything that needs to happen <clears throat> anymore that before Christ comes, Jesus' imminent return is, is just, he can come at any moment. There's nothing to hinder his return to this earth. There was a recent research that was taken by Pew Research, and they report that roughly half, about 48% of all Christians in the United States believe that Jesus will come by the year 2050. Now, I don't know if Jesus is going to come by the year 2050. But here's what I do know. The Lord's coming is very soon. In fact, the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 20, says this. Jesus says, Uh, The Bible says that he testifies to these things and says, these are the words of Jesus. Read them with me. Surely I am coming quickly. That's what Jesus said. That's how he ended the book of Revelation. I want you to know that my return is very soon. And so he could come by the year 2050. He might not come by the year 2050. But here's what we need to know. In light of eternity... His return is very soon. Super soon. Amen. And so by the way, if I cut out, that's just God saying lean in. Pay attention. Amen. So, can I have my water? My my beautiful wife. Here she comes. No, it's the other side. I'll just kind of I am I am dried out up here. Everybody say hi Julie. Isn't isn't she beautiful? Amen. Thank you, Julie. At home, I serve her. I just want you to know that. (laughs) So let's talk about today, let's talk about the rapture of the church and how to be ready for it. I want to begin first by talking about the rapture of the church. Now, here's what you need to know about the passage that we just read here in 1 Thessalonians. There were Christians that Paul had led to the Lord and uh, he was only there for about three weeks in the, in the city of Thessalonica. He wasn't there long. And he was driven out of the city. And so these Christians, since Paul had left, they, some of the Christians had died. And they knew that Jesus was coming back, but their loved ones had died. And they thought, because they died that they missed the second coming of Jesus because this was how real the message of Jesus' return was. They taught and believed in the early in the early years of the church that Jesus could come at any moment. He could come any time. And so these early believers lost these loved ones who were Christians and they died and, and they, they watched their bodies go into the ground or whatever the case was. And so they sent message to Paul and they were so concerned what happened to these believers and Paul is responding to them and we're going to look at this a little bit more. He's responding to these believers and he's answering the question, what happens to people who die as a Christian? And so the apostle is answering this question. So what I want to do today is I want to begin this message by talking about the rapture. I want, to, I want to discuss it. I'm going to answer a series of questions, and we're going to go through this, and then we're going to wrap it up with this idea, for you and me, how, how do we deal with this on a daily basis? First of all, I want to answer the question, what is the rapture? In chapter 4, verse 17 Here's what the scripture says. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Everybody say caught up. Caught. We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The word caught up in the Greek language is harpazo, and it literally means to take by force suddenly. It, uh, the, when the, uh, the Latin Bible, the Vulgate Bible was translated from the Greek language, their word was not harpazo, it was raptuo rap or something like that. And that's where we get our word rapture. And so we, that, that word has stuck. But basically it means to seize suddenly or to take by force. So here's what Paul is saying in chapter 4, verse 17, that we Christians, when Jesus comes back, those of us who are alive, and how many of you here want to be alive when Jesus returns... I'd like to be alive when he returns. When, when Jesus comes back, the Bible says that he's going to snatch his church. He's going to seize by force his church. He's going to catch us away to be with him. Yeah. And this is how Jesus describes it, what this rapture in Matthew chapter 24, verses 40 through 42. He says, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken; the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Jesus taught us. He said, "I'm coming, and people are going to go on with life as usual. And people are going to be working. People are going to be in the field. People are going to be shopping at Walmart. People are going to be in the home. People are going to be in their backyard. People." to be together, they're going to be a separate, but when I come back, I'm taking those who belong to me to myself. Yeah. They will be taken, and everyone else will be left. We have an Old Testament picture of this in the story of Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. The Bible said that Enoch walked with God, and then he was not, for the Lord just took him. In the book of Hebrews, he tells that story, and he says that God that Enoch walked with God, and He didn't die, and the Lord just took him away. And see, that's what's going to happen at the rapture. The Lord is just going to take us up out of this world. The Lord is just going to come, and He's going to snatch us out of this world. We're not this I, I don't know if you know this, but this world that you're living in, this is not your final home. This is not your resting place. This is not your forever place. There's a place beyond this. There's an eternity beyond the life that we experience here. And Jesus said, "I'm going to come and take you to myself." Amen. Isn't that good news? So let's so that brings us then to this question: Who are going to be raptured? Who are the ones that the Lord is going to snatch away? Now this is really important because Paul says. In uh, chapter 4, verse 14, he says, For if we believe, everybody say, if we believe. believe. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And the term sleep, he's referring to those Christians who have died. The Bible describes them asleep because their body goes back into the ground or their ashes go into... a yearn, or whatever the case may be, and their spirit goes to be with the Lord. Their body is asleep, but their spirit is with the Lord. And so when Jesus returns, the Bible said he's coming for those who believe. That's who he's coming for. He's coming for those who believe that Jesus died and that Jesus rose again. The people that are raptured out of this world are those who have put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Jesus said, there is only one way to the Father, and I'm the way. There's only one truth about life, and I'm the truth. There's only one life that gives you eternity, and that's my life. There isn't Multiple ways to get to heaven or to live forever. The only way is to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe in Him. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. He says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, that's when you are saved. You are not saved because of your good works. You are not saved because you were baptized in a particular church. You are not saved because you go to church more than you don't go to church. You are not saved because you've been really nice to your mean neighbor. That's just being a good person. But that doesn't save you. What saves you is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that what he did on the cross, he did it for you. Why? Because you were a sinner. You had sin in your heart. Even when you came out of the womb, there was that nature of sin. Even though you were innocent of sin, innocent of crime, there was a sin nature. And early on, very early in your life, you began to sin. Amen. This is hard to swallow for some people. But if... If that's not true, then Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. But he did die. And so he's coming back for those who believe in him. Now what happens when this rapture takes place? Well, here's what chapter 4 verse 16 says. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Here's what's going to happen. When the rapture happens, the Lord Jesus Christ will descend from heaven. He will come into the heavenly realms, into the heavens as we know it. He will descend into the heaven. And it may be sudden, it may seem a little secret, but it won't be silent to you and me. The Bible says there's going to be a shout, there's going to be the voice of an archangel, there's going to be the voice of God. The Lord will descend triumphantly, and he will come personally, to meet you and me. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Jesus said it like this to his disciples. When they, when they knew that Jesus was going to lead them, Jesus said to them, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in, God. in My father's house are many mansions, or literally many rooms. If that were not the case, I wouldn't be telling you this. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Amen. Listen to his words. To receive you to myself that where I am you may be also. Hallelujah. How many of you are looking to be with Jesus forever? So Jesus says I'm coming back and he returns and then what happens? Simultaneous with the return of Jesus the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. Now A little over a year ago, my sweet mom went to be with Jesus. She loved uh, Jesus with all of her heart since she was a little girl. And in fact, my dad wrote a book, and I'm reading the book right now about his ministry life, and he tells a story about when he was 16 and she was 16, and he went to church one Sunday, and he saw this little 16-year-old girl take her guitar up to the front of the church, and she sang... Uh, the, the song about, you know, uh, about meeting Jesus in heaven. And I thought about that the other day because I know that when my mom died physically in this world, her spirit went directly to be with the Lord in heaven. Isn't that good news? But her body is in the ground in Missouri. But her spirit is with Jesus. But when Jesus comes back to receive you and me, because not all of us are going to die when he comes back, there's going to be a generation of people who are alive when Jesus returns. Amen. Wouldn't it be good to get to heaven someday and you're talking to people and you say, how did you die? Well, I died of cancer. How did you die? I got hit in the head. How did you? And then they ask you, how did you die? I didn't. So there. So now. I win. Anyway, when Jesus comes back, he's bringing my mom with him. And in the instant that Jesus returns, her spirit is rejoined to her body and raised in immortality in that very moment. That's true of everyone. When you die, you don't go into a soul sleep and lay it in the ground until eternity just pops up on you. The Bible said, Paul said, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. You die in this life, you walk through the door into the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm making myself happy up here. Not only will the dead, when Jesus returns, will the dead be raised, but the living saints will be raptured in that instant. Listen to what he says here Uh, in the next verse. He says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to be reunited together with loved ones who have gone on before us and with Jesus. We're all going to be together. This is going to be a great experience. And look, I I want you to see this. This is what Paul wrote about. He wrote about this and what it looks like in another perspective in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. There are going to be people alive when Jesus comes back. But we shall all be changed. Everybody say changed. changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. And then it says in the next verse, if you go ahead and bring it up, for this corruptible, everybody put your hand on your chest. That's you. You're corruptible. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality. Come on. I will not have to subscribe to Beachbody.com anymore. It's going to be great. Come on. I won't do keto anymore. Woo! I will be changed. You're going to be changed. Praise God. Not to call you out, but no need for wheelchairs. Praise God. No need for spectacles. I mean, we're going to be changed. We're going to put on immortality. Here's what we're going to look like. We're going to look like Jesus after the resurrection. Where he could eat food, praise God, and then walk through a wall. Man, God is so good. When will this rapture take place? The short answer is we don't know. We don't know. But let me, let me read to you these words of Paul. These won't come up on the screen, but this is out of the passage. Listen to what he said. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, we don't even need to tell you. Why? Because Jesus already told us. He's already told us what it's going to look like. We don't need to be bring this up. For you yourselves know perfectly That the day of the Lord is going to be like a thief breaking into your house. It's going to be like a thief. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Listen to the terminology. Listen to the pronouns. He's not talking about us. We're not going to be here. He's talking about those who don't believe in him. When when does this rapture happen? He says, when they say peace and safety, then upon them destruction comes. And he said, they will not escape. But in a sense, in the rapture rapture of the church, Jesus is rescuing us out and saving us. And he says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day and you are not of the night nor, nor you are you of the darkness. There were a few times in my childhood when I walked in the house and I called for mom and she wasn't there and I was worried about the rapture. <laughs> Did Jesus come? I knew it. I was foul. But I want to tell you something. You don't have to worry if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You don't have to worry if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. Amen. And so, when will the rapture take place? We don't know. We don't know. We don't have any way to know. But here's what you do need to know. That you're not in that group who won't make it if you put your faith in the Lord. Let me answer one more question about this. Why will the church be raptured? Now this is where the church is split into all kinds of factions. Because there are people that believe in the rapture of the church. They just believe that the Christians are going to go through the great tribulation. And I don't personally believe that. But let me give you the answer. Why will the church be raptured? This is my answer to it. I should say that. In chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, we read it. Here's what he said. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we are living or whether we're dead, we should live together with him. So look at verse 9. Go back to that. He said, for God did not appoint us to wrath. Come on, can I get a good amen? Amen. Here's my understanding of the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation, as I understand it, as Jesus taught it in Matthew chapter 24, and as the book of Revelation describes it, is the outpouring of God's wrath on the face of the earth for rejecting Jesus. It's a seven-year period of unprecedented destruction and death like the likes of which we've never seen. And this, there's some division on this because people say, well, didn't Jesus say that we're going to go through tribulation? Yeah, he did say that. But there's a difference between the tribulation that you and I sometimes feel in our life and the great tribulation. Amen. And so I believe that Jesus is going to rapture the church. And again, there's a variety of teachers out there on this topic. And uh, you know, you, can, you, know, you can almost believe anything you want but if you want to be wrong that's up to you. I'm telling you what's right. No, I'm telling. I I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing a little bit. No. But I love the fact that that we haven't been if 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 the great tribulation is as I think is what I believe the scriptures teach that it's a 7 year time frame of of just It's wrath. The Bible calls it wrath. There isn't another word for it. The Bible calls it wrath. Here's here's why it doesn't affect us. We're not appointed to wrath. Why? Because when Jesus died on the cross, he absorbed all of the wrath of God for us. And those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ have his covering and his rescue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I tell you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I wouldn't leave this tent until you get him in your heart. Amen. 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 And it'll be good for you. So that's in a nutshell, (laughs) kind of, the teaching or my understanding of the rapture, and there's a lot more to it, and there's better teachers on it. But when we talk about the end times, when Jesus talked about it, when the apostle talked about it, they never just talked about all the fun and thrilling and exciting and weird things that are going on. They always brought it back to, okay, what are you going to do about it? That's where we're going to land this today. This is where we're going today. I want to talk about being ready for the rapture. How can we be ready for the coming of the Lord? I don't know if you've noticed, but this world is in a moral chaos. And this, this life that we're living in, and it isn't, just all, it isn't just everybody else out there. We feel this ourselves. We, we, we feel the struggle. We had a, a message in the Holy Spirit just a few moments ago that basically was calling some of us followers of the Lord Jesus Christ out and saying, there's some things in your life I want to deal with, I want to work on. And I'm calling you to myself. I want you to, I want you to stay with me, walk with me, come with me. Don't, don't drift away. Don't get on the periphery. Don't, don't go off hiding. Come to me. Hallelujah. And we need to, in these last days, it, it isn't just everybody else that's causing all this uh, heartache and all this discouragement. It's stuff that you and I go through. Falling flat on our face. Right. Come on, am I the only one in the room that's ever done that? <laughs> Amen. A lot of us have. We struggle. We deal with stuff. And we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're just, there's, there's so much going on around us, and, it, it, and it's not fun. But how, are, how do we stay ready? And I want to come back to this passage that we read in chapter 5. The first thing that I want to just say to us here, that the, that the apostle says, number one, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. Everybody say, wake up. Now, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore let us not sleep. Okay? If I'm not gonna, what does that mean? Wake up. <laughs> the apostle is saying, This is your wake up call. Why? Because Jesus is coming. Because the Lord is coming. He's going to come and rescue his church. He's going to come and rapture his church. What do I do about that? What, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to draw all of my money out of the bank? Am I, can I just get more credit cards and build up more and then leave? <laughs> oh no. No, wake up. He said, therefore, let us not sleep as others do. There are, there are a lot of people that are sleeping on Jesus. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. This is a wake-up call. Paul is calling us as his church to not be spiritually negligent in our walk with Jesus or to be morally reckless with our lifestyle. Amen. Come on now. Now, don't, don't shut down just, just when I start preaching. We need to wake up. Because Jesus wrote a letter to a church in the book of Revelation and says, you have a reputation that you are alive, but you don't know what I see. I see that you're dead. And there's just a few of you that remain that have some semblance of faithfulness to me. That was from Jesus. That was a letter from Jesus to a church. And there are a lot of Christians in the United States of America and yay in Butte, Montana. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm in that group. I'm not talking down. I'm not talking at. I'm talking about the body of Christ where we need to wake up. Amen. You're not of the night. You're of the day. That's what the apostle the said. How do we wake up? This involves, if you haven't done this yet, this wake up call, First of all, is to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Amen. To wake up to your need of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus is here right now to save your soul. If you don't know him, if you haven't surrendered your life to him, the Lord is just, he's right here right now, just appealing to you to come to him. <laughs> but here, there's another wake-up call, and that is to for us as believers to return to the Lord if we need to return to Him. There is such a backsliding, sliding away, if you will. There's such a thing as people, you know, um, kind of, um, just kind of giving up. Not hanging in there. And we as the day is approaching, our passion for Jesus needs to get stronger. Amen. Our love for him needs to grow deeper. I even feel this struggle sometimes within myself just kind of kind of the give up almost or the the tendency or the the temptation if you will to kind of just, you know, just kind of oh I can't I can't do this anymore. I don't know if I can just stay in the fight. I don't know if I can just stay with it. And, and I kind of do like what Jeremiah did. He kind of he turned away sometimes in his emotions. He's like, I don't want to even talk about this anymore. I don't want to preach about it. This is too hard. It's hard enough for me to try to live it, and let alone teach it. But the Lord told Jeremiah, this is what the Lord said to Jeremiah, if you will return to me. That's what the Lord said to Jeremiah. Return to me, Jeremiah. Come back to me. You are my voice. You're my man. You're my person. I want to say to everyone, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you belong to him. You're not your own. And if you're drifting away, then you got to stop the drift. Amen. And get back to Jesus because no one just drifts toward Jesus. You don't just drift toward Jesus. You drift away. The Lord is calling you to come and return to Him. Amen. And that means we need to get real practical about our living and about the way we conduct ourselves and how we're relating to people around us and what we're doing with things in our lives and how I'm handling issues in my heart. All of this stuff matters. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Right? Amen. Come on now. Can I get a good amen? amen? Let's look at this verse of Scripture in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved. Beloved, now we are children of God. Aren't you thankful that you're a child of God? He says, now, right now, we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You know what John is saying there? Because Jesus is coming back, We need to get our act in order. He says he purifies himself. Now, when I came to Jesus, I came sins, warts and all. All of the the uglies of life. And I knelt down and I surrendered my heart to Jesus and he took away all my sin. Amen? So this isn't about... When you sin, you lose your salvation. No. He, he started the verse of Scripture, if you remember, Beloved, now we are children of God. Come on. Yeah. He said, you are a child of God. So what do I do about that? Well, because you are a child of God. If there are impure areas of your life, deal with them. Because he's coming back. Anyone who has this hope of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, what do I do with it? Well, just, you know, I gave my heart to Jesus and I'm good. Well, you are good in that sense. But in another sense, the Lord wants you to constantly be dealing with those areas and issues in your heart that are not like him, even as he is pure. Purify yourself. In other words, deal with those issues, deal with those areas. Like Paul said, if you've been stealing, stop your stealing. That's in the Bible. Did you know that? He says, and he says that to Christians. He says, if you've been stealing from your employer, knock it off. Why? Because you don't need to steal. He says, if you're gossiping, stop gossiping. If you're holding a grudge and unforgiveness towards somebody, I don't care what it was. He doesn't describe what it was. There is no place to hold bitterness and unforgiveness. Get it out. Purifies himself even as he is pure. All in light of the coming of the Lord. It's a wake-up call. What area, what issue, what struggle? I have mine. (laughs) I'm not telling you. You don't need to know. No. I tell certain people And maybe that's some of the ways that we can walk in purity. That's one of the ways that we can maybe deal with the areas and issues of things that are... let Let me actually, let me just say this. That word purifies, the word purify literally means to clean, to be modest, to be undefiled, to be morally faultless, to be without blemish. Amen. No excuses. Deal with it. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. That's what John said. We have this hope. He who has this hope, bring that back up if you would, verse 3. And to everyone who has this hope, the hope of Jesus' return, purifies himself. Just as, capital H, he is pure. Amen. Amen. Have I harped long enough on that one? This is your wake-up call. Amen. Amen. Jesus is going to rapture the church, so we need to wake up. Then we need to armor up. That's the second one. Armor up. Look at chapter 5, verse 8. He says, but let us who are of the day be sober. Everybody say, "Be be sober. Putting on the of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. How many of you learned by now that life is a battlefield? All of life, we are in a conflict, we are in a war, we are engaged in spiritual warfare at every turn, in every way. And so the apostle says, here's what we've got to do. We've got to not only wake up, but we need to armor up. We need to go out and face the world, watch, watch, Cover your heart, protect your heart with trust and faith and belief in God and demonstrating the love of God everywhere you go. Put on the breastplate of faith in God and love the love of God for people around you. Boy, it's quiet in here. Why? Because Jesus is coming. What good is it to, for us to talk about the rapture if we're not going to live with the love of God and believe in God here and now? Listen, you're not in heaven yet. I'm not in heaven yet. At least I don't think so. But if we're not there, we're here. And so we need to go out and be what he's called us to be here and be a people of faith and cover our heart, cover the vital organs of your heart of of. of of who you are with faith in God and the love of God for other people. So there's no excuse for bitterness and hatred in our hearts. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Does this make sense? Then he said, put on the helmet as a helmet, the hope of salvation. I'm glad I'm saved. When I got saved, I was saved eternally. He saved me. The Lord Jesus Christ saved me. But here's another thing. There are three dimensions of salvation. He saved me and I am saved. But he's saving me. Sometimes he's saving me from me because I'm my own worst enemy. And he will save me. I am saved, no question. But he is constantly sanctifying and saving me and and pulling me out of pits. And he will save me. And he said, put on this helmet as a hope of salvation to know who you are. Get your mind out of the gutter. Get your head in the game. Keep your wits about you. Because when you get discouraged and disillusioned and depressed and buy into all of those lies, then that's when we begin to lose the battle. And so there's a lot of, some of us struggle with doubt. Anybody in the room struggle with doubt? You don't have to raise your hand, but you, now I know who you are. No. <laughs> Anybody here get depressed? I struggle, I have bouts of depression sometimes. Get discouraged, get, defeat, get defeated. Got to put on the helmet. Salvation. I know who I am. I know whose I am. Man, but Tim, you should have you been there. I fell flat on my face. You know what you do? You get back on your feet. Amen. And you stand in who you are. And you don't grovel in what you did. You put on that helmet. Because the devil wants to knock you in the head. And so, know who you are. Amen. So he says, in light of the rapture of the church, we need to wake up, we need to armor up, and then finally, we need to lift up. Everybody say, lift up. up. uh, Chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing that word comfort is paraclete it's the same word that describes the paracletos the holy spirit the holy spirit is our comforter he's our advocate he's the one who walks alongside of us right the holy spirit does that now the apostle says now why don't you why don't you do that for other people you do that for others because this world is really hard and it's it's hot out there and it's difficult and it's it's frustrating and people feel weak and sometimes people are, feel all alone and they don't know that they can go another day. So he says, why don't you comfort others in your life? Come alongside of them, counsel them, be an advocate for them, be by their side, be on their side, be for them, be to them what God is to you. God is for you. Amen. Amen. And then he says... And edify, everybody say edify. edify. The word edify, as you know, simply means to build up, build people up. Don't tear people down. Don't tear people down. Build them up, encourage them, exhort them, take them to the next level that they need to get to in their lives. We need, listen, I know that we as a church need to love the world. How many of you know that we need to do that? God so loved the world. So we need to love the world but sometimes we talk a better talk about loving the world than loving one another. Sometimes we do better at loving people who are unchurched, and that's good. Don't ever, I mean, if you're good at that, go with it. Run with it. But yet sometimes we can't love the people that are closest to us in the faith. Amen. Amen. I know I'm preaching. We need to lift people up. Why? Because Jesus is going to come and lift us up out of here. We, people, are, people are attacked. Marriages are attacked. People that are getting free from addictions are constantly coming under a barrage of attack, mentally and emotionally. There's so, many, there's so many things out there in the world that are drawing and trying to get us back into those traps and into those same things. And, and the last thing people need is to be slapped around. They need to be lifted up, right? And that's where the church comes alive. And we all can't do that for everybody in the room, but all of us can be a part of somebody's life and all of us working together because marriages are slowly falling apart. And people are, uh, you know, falling on their face, flat on their face, all the time. They need to be lifted up, Amen. and that's up to you and me. And you can't just pay somebody to do that. That can't just happen by one pastor or by two or three pastors. That has to be all of God's house, Amen. all of God's people doing this. Amen. Are you with me out there? Yes. People are discouraged. People are disillusioned. People are disconnecting themselves from what is really what they need you don't you don't listen jesus is coming back so stay in church yeah. stay with the church i know we're imperfect i know we are that's because you're here no i know we're all imperfect i'm kidding we're all imperfect but We're better together, believe it or not. Amen. Amen. In fact, I have a proof text of this. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And watch. And so much more as you see the day approaching. The last thing anybody needs to do is jump ship. Stay with the plan. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And he's coming back for his church. But we need to be in the church. We don't need to disconnect from the body of Christ. We need to find a way to get deeper into it and be more, much more a part of it. Why? Because people need a lift. Katie was exp- uh, explaining the other day that she called a lift driver. She said, What's the other one that's uh, out there? Uber. She said, I like lift better. I said, I do too. It's in my message. I didn't tell her that then. Everybody needs a lift. Amen. Amen. And everybody in the room needs to call for a lift. Amen. Amen. Because you can't do it by yourself. Right. You can't do it in your own strength. Katie, would you come? That's about the rapture. Wake up, armor up, and lift up. If if you feel yourself sleeping spiritually, it's time to get stirred up. Stop. Stop slapping the snooze. And get out of that bed. Amen. And nobody can do this for you. You have to do this. Nobody can do this. The word's gone out. The apostle Paul wrote it. The Holy Spirit had it grafted for us and drafted for us and and preserved it for us now 2,000 years later. And it's just the Holy Spirit saying, Look, it's time to wake up. It's time to armor up. It's time to lift up. Why? Because Jesus is going to come and take us up. But before he does, this is how we live it. This is how we walk it. Would you stand with me? Can I have the, those who are going to pray today, uh, the altar workers in prayer? Just make your way, kind of spread out a little bit. If you're in this place today and you need prayer for anything, we've been in prayer already about today. And we pray today already that when we pray, we prayed that when we pray, that God would show up that God would work a miracle, that God would heal, that God would set free, that God would strengthen. So if there's anything in your heart or in your life, or if you would love to come forward and have somebody pray with you about receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today would be a great day. These, anyone up here would love to do that with you and give you that opportunity. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and then after that, we can be dismissed. But if you would like prayer, you can begin to come. As I'm praying, you can just start coming and these these wonderful people will receive you. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for helping us with our sound, God, to endure and get through this with all the glitches that have been happening. And And Lord, I just pray today that we would hide your word in our heart. Like David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want to make my way I want to purify myself. I want to to deal with those issues and areas of my heart that need to be dealt with. And so, Lord, I pray that we will not forget your word today, but that we would take it with us everywhere we go. Lord, I pray that we would look up, lift up our eyes knowing that our redemption is very near. But Lord, help us not to live with our head in the cloud. Help us to live in your presence here in this planet until you come again. We love you, Jesus. We honor your holy name. And everybody says amen. 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 If you need prayer, please come. You can come now. Thank you.